Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Anthony Molinero. Anthony is a young, aspiring entrepreneur and real estate investor with a business degree and diploma in entrepreneurship and small business management from the University of Guelph Humber. He's also the founder and former president of the Guelph Humber Real Estate Investing Club. You may be familiar with Anthony's story. He made the front page of the Toronto Star a couple years ago for his strong work ethic. While in university, he managed to also work a full-time job. No easy feat. During that time, he saved a big chunk of his paycheck to invest in real estate. Similar to my story, his story received its fair share of criticism online. In my interview with Anthony, we discuss working hard while maintaining a healthy work-life balance, real estate investing, and why younger folks shouldn't give up on the dream of home ownership. Without further ado, here's my interview with Anthony Molinero. Hi, Anthony. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you doing today? Great. How about yourself, Sean? I'm doing pretty good. Looking forward to having an interesting chat on real estate. You made it on the front page of the Toronto Star, Canada's largest daily newspaper. It's quite an honor at such a young age. How did this all come about, and what was your reaction to appearing on the front page? So I was attending the University of Guelph Humber full-time, as a full-time university student, and I was working at the PepsiCo warehouse in Mississauga just as a seasonal worker, so just for the summer and Christmas month, so in December. So I was just working there and I had the opportunity to go for a full-time position during my second year of university while I was working there seasonally in December. So if I went for full-time, that would mean uh, full 40-hour weeks all year long and with only, you know, your 10 sick days that we're allowed to have. So a full-time commitment. So I thought about it hard and I decided to go for it and the reason I went for it was because of the money and the money was very good for a warehouse job. It's about $28 an hour. Gosh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good for a warehouse job. It's, it's not an easy job. It's, you know, 90% of it is order picking. So it's slugging heavy cases of pop all day long, you know, for your eight hour shift. And it's very hard on the body. It's like soul sucking mentally, <laughs> repeating the same thing over and over again. But at least the pay is decent, I guess. Yeah, that's that's what keeps people there, to be honest. I mean, the work sucks, but the pay is good. So mm-hmm. it's kind of something you uh, slog through every day. So it wasn't easy work, but I decided I would try it for one semester and see how it went. And I decided to kind of break down my day and just manage my day and see if it was all possible. And I decided, you know what, I could probably juggle both of them. It'll be like exhausting, but I think I could do it. So I went for it. And so I started making around $56,000 at the time. That would be my yearly salary. So I decided to go for it. 
And so I had all this money coming in and I had read the wealthy barber previously. And so I had an interest in personal finance and it was something that I was already passionate about. I already wanted to, you know, get ahead in life and manage my finances. And so I saw a columnist in the Toronto Star, Adam Mayers. He basically answered it, questions that readers sent in to him. So I sent him a question and I let him know my situation. Hey, I'm in university full time. I work full time. I'm making good money. I'd like to possibly buy some real estate after I graduate. A condo was my thinking at the time, which has changed since then. So I can move in after I graduate for um, my first job downtown. And so I hit him up and he liked the story and he asked me if he could write an article about it. Yeah. So I told him, I was, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, let's do it. And I just wanted some advice for money. And he ended up writing a, a full-blown article about my daily schedule, how I manage it all, how I do it. And then he also brought in two experts to give me some financial advice, which was great. And I guess the editor of the Toronto Star liked it so much that he decided to put it on the front page. So, Oh my goodness. Did you know that it was going to be on the front page or were you just totally shocked when you saw it on the front page? One I day? had no clue. I thought it was going to be in the personal finance section, to be <laughs> honest. Like back pages, you know, maybe a few people would read it. But I had no clue. And then he said the front page. And I was like, wow, I don't think it's that important. But yeah, it's quite an honor. I mean, I was on the front page as well. And I picked up the newspaper and thought it would be hidden somewhere in the business section. And then I find myself on the front page. I'm like, oh, my gosh, holy moly. I guess you had the same reaction as well. Oh, holy so I didn't know yours was on the front page, too. That's amazing. Yeah, we have another thing in common. Yeah, wow. What was your reaction? Like, what did your family think? And I'm sure some of your friends and coworkers saw you on the front page there. Yeah, it's just a little crazy. Like I woke up in the morning and the Toronto Star had shared it on Facebook. My friends had already started sharing it on their Facebooks and, you know, kind of giving me the gears about it. Everyone was just kind of blown away because I, I hadn't told anyone about it. So everyone was just super surprised. Like only a couple people, like my girlfriend knew that it was going to happen. And my family, obviously. And then going to, I went to the grocery store nearest to my house and I bought like eight copies of the paper. That's all I had of left. <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, for mementos. And it was just crazy just going up to the newspaper stand and seeing my face on the front page. It's just a weird experience. So awesome. Yeah, and coworkers, you know, I got the gears from them. It was like a big thing at work. You know, the whole plant knew about it. And apparently the plant manager actually had seen the article on Facebook and shared it out with all of the managers and staff at Pepsi through a big email. So it was like a big thing at my work for, you know, a couple of days. So it was cool. 15 minutes of fame. Awesome. Going to school and working up to 80 hours a week must have taken a lot of willpower. What do you attribute your strong work ethic to? How do you keep yourself motivated and manage your time? And what's your best advice for others who would like to follow in your footsteps? The 80 hours a week was a bit of a headline grab. I wouldn't say it was 80 <laughs> hours a week. That was kind of something that the star did, I guess, to get some more eyes onto the article. <laughs> but it was 40 hours at Pepsi most weeks, not all weeks, but most weeks because of sick days or there's occasionally layoff days and I would go on the temporary layoff list. If it was a slow day, they'd call me and say I wouldn't have to come in. But it was usually up to 40 hours a week. And then I would have four to five classes the university, which are three hours. So that would be about a 12 to 15 hours of classes a week. And then on top of homework and group work. 
So you could, I, I don't know what it would be around, but I don't think it was 80, maybe 60 to 70. Well, still more than the average person. More than the average student. My work ethic, I've always been working since I've been a little kid. I had paper routes when I was younger. Oh, wow. In elementary school. As soon as I got in high school, I was applying for jobs. I was working in grade nine at a landscaping place. I've actually had 14 jobs and I'm 22. <laughs> I've had a lot of experience. I've Even when I was a kid, me and my brother would go door to door. We'd shovel people's driveways. We made little business cards. We would do landscaping. I would do landscaping for neighbors. I had, all, I had jobs all through high school, so Probably a lemonade stand when you were younger as well. Yes. Yeah. No lemonade stand, but everything else you could imagine. Okay. So I, you know, I'd buy bracelets, these world cup bracelets and sell them at school for a higher price back in elementary school. I was always, you know, kind of hustling to make money. Money was always a strong motivator for me. I liked the idea of making money. I like finding like hustles and finding a way that I can just bring in money. So I've always had a strong work, work ethic for that and being highly motivated by it. So when I, you know, realized I could make $28 an hour, which is pretty crazy for a warehouse job, I decided, you know what, this is too good of an opportunity to pass it up. So that's what kept me motivated. And then after a while, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to stop. It was a lot, but just the personal development that I saw I was getting from it and the time management skills and all the skills I knew I was earning, that also kept me uh, motivated to keep doing it. So people that would like to follow in my footsteps, I would say, learn how to manage your time. You're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices, but with uh, great time management and, you know, having motivation and having a reason why you're doing it, it's definitely possible. That's definitely great advice. But yeah, definitely keeping a work-life balance is important, which kind of leads into my next question. Do you ever regret working so much? How do you create balance in your life and maintain a healthy work-life balance? Because that's so challenging, especially being in North America. Yeah. Okay. So now that I'm graduated, I don't regret working that much, but as I was doing it, I did the full-time, full-time thing for about two and a half years. So I think six semesters I was doing it. And while I was doing it, it was very hard to kind of keep doing it and to keep myself motivated and to not either want to drop out of school or quit Pepsi. It was always, every time a new semester started, it was hard to get back into it because I knew just how challenging and uh, stressful it could be. So I don't regret it now because I've grown a lot from it and I've definitely matured a lot from it. And I've, you know, really realized what I'm capable of doing and how much you can actually fit in a day. So I don't regret doing it. It's, you know, brought me a lot of great opportunities doing cool stuff like this, like this podcast and meeting people like yourself and other mentors. So I don't regret it at all, but it was definitely hard. The balance in my life, I did not have the balance that I wanted in my life in terms of social life and exercise and nutrition, but I, I still did manage to kind of fit it all in. Like I'd, I'd try to keep my weekends free as much as I could for my friends, for my girlfriend, for my family. I'd go to the gym three days a week. I'd be you know, exercising constantly. I had a pretty good diet. That was in part due thanks to my parents, but I did try to keep it as balanced as I could and I did a great job of it, but it's just not sustainable and it's not something I'd want to keep doing. 
No, I totally hear you. I mean, when I was paying down my mortgage over three years, I knew it was just short-term pain for long-term gain. So I totally get where you're coming from. But if you just have that mindset that it's only for X number of years, three number of years, then I think you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just having that final deadline and, and knowing, you know what, this isn't for much longer. You know, it's for two more years, it's for a year, and then it keeps counting down. It's for six more months, it's for three months. And, you know, the last semester I had, it was like, it was probably the easiest one just because I had built these habits of dealing with stress, dealing with time, and just knowing that I was almost done just made it much easier to deal with. When they're not hitting the books, a lot of millennials enjoy spending money, whether it's at restaurants or on clothing. What's your best advice on still having a good time, but also saving your money? Okay, so I'm myself definitely guilty of some unhealthy money spending habits, especially when I first started with full time and I started getting the good money. But over time, I've definitely tapered that down and I'm much better with that now just because I realized, man, I'm putting in all this work and just killing myself every day. Like it's not worth spending money on things that don't bring a lot of value to you or won't elevate your progress just forward in whatever way that is, you know, not just financially, but in other aspects of your life. Like I I won't hesitate to spend money on a gym membership because, you know, I think that's an important part of life and that's how I progress physically. But in terms of spending money, I would say my best advice is that you really don't need to spend a lot of money to have a good time. A lot of millennials spend a lot of money, for example, out on a night drinking, but you can reduce that greatly by drinking a bit before, by not spending a lot at the bar, by not getting drunk, by being a designated driver. There's all kinds of things, or even just other things like spending money on food. That's a huge one for millennials, and you can just buy groceries and have one meal prep day a week where it takes a couple hours or even just a couple of like not that long every day, just pack your own lunch. Like I, I only eat out on weekends and that's maybe only once, maybe even twice a weekend. Other than that, I pack all my own food. Like there's just things you can cut down on that might seem like a big deal at the time, but when you actually do it, you realize, you know, it's not a big deal to, to pack your own lunch and you're actually eating healthy and you're eating for much less and you save time, you save money, you save gas going out to get food. Like it just helps a lot. Some millennials get in trouble with credit cards and live beyond their means. How have you managed to avoid this? Just through self-discipline. I remember when I first got my credit card, I didn't have the money to pay my tuition. And my parents, they, they were strong on, hey, if you want to go to school, you got to pay your own way just like we did. So I didn't have enough money to pay tuition. So I remember having to max out my credit card, which was only a $1,000 limit. Like I had it was like a thousand or fifteen. I had to max it out, and it just sucked because I was paying interest for the full semester until I got to the summer where I could pay it off with my summer job. And I just saw the interest that was getting charged on it, and I knew it was affecting my credit. So I never wanted to do it again. Oh, wow. So now I'm, I've got a set day. It's the eleventh of every month where I pay all my bills, and I actually have three credit cards that I use, but I'm never late on a payment, and I always make the full payment because I stick to my budget. So I have the money for it, and I I know it builds my credit. So it's just discipline. That's all it comes down to. And it's knowing how to run a budget and it's knowing how to track all your expenses and knowing where your money's actually going. 
Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, in the cashless society that we're going towards, I mean, it's harder than and harder and you really need to keep a close eye on your money because I don't know about you, but when I pay for things with credit cards, sometimes I get my statement. I'm like, where did all my money go? So you definitely have to keep a close eye on where you're spending your money. With PayPass, it's so easy to spend a ton of money and not realize it until the end of the month. Yeah, and my best advice is uh, to use the Mint budget app. That's what I personally use. And it tracks all my spending across my debit card, my credit cards, it tracks my bank accounts. And you can also set a budget in there. So as you spend, it automatically updates your budget with what you spent on. So I, I have a certain amount of money now that I allocate towards restaurants each month, towards like my gym membership, towards my gas money. And it's so I know, like I have a rough, rough estimate of, of what I'm spending every month and I know exactly how much extra I'll have. And I kind of just plan my spending around that. And it seems like it's very restricting, but it's actually not because it it gives you that discipline on your spending gives you the freedom to actually save for what you want. That's great. Yeah. Like it seems like, yeah, you're restricting yourself and you can't spend money on what you want, but really you're just denying yourself buying things in the moment that don't really bring a lot of value to you and saving that money for something that will. That's a great way to look at it. So Similar to my story, your story was very polarizing. Some thought that you did a great thing while others weren't so thrilled. Were you at all surprised and disappointed by the negative reaction? Why do success stories like yours tend to bring out the worst in people? And how did you deal with the haters? Yeah, so just like yourself, a lot of people hated online about it. A lot of people criticized me for not having the balance of my life, for wasting the best years of my life. Uh, others were concerned for my safety. And then there are others who were inspired by it and sent me messages and said, hey, I, I was, there was one guy from uh, Colombia who sent me a message. He's like, I wanted to move to Canada and uh, bring my family and I wanted to be able to go to university full time, but I also need to work full time to provide for them. And your story, you know, gave me hope and made me realize it's possible. So things like that, like that made it all worth it. I mean, all the people that were hating on it, it's like, I don't get why. I mean, they may not support it, but to sit there and actually have the time and the energy to type out their hate about it and the fact that they don't support it, it's like they don't have anything else going on. Like, I've never made a negative comment online and just commented on like some random person's story and hated on them because I'm busy doing my own thing. And I think people like yourself, they're doing your own thing and you're not, you know, getting into keyboard arguments. So. I think that's what it comes down to. Like if if you're doing your own thing and you're supporting yourself, you're supportive of of other people. And if you read stories about that, like a lot of people were blaming, you know, oh, he can only do it because his parents are cooking for him. His his parents are doing his laundry. And they just assumed a lot of stuff. And a lot of people didn't even read the article and assume the stuff. And there's like, I do my, I do my own laundry. Like I cook some of my food. My parents did a lot of cooking. They did help me out, but to, you know, I guess hate on it because there's people helping me out to do it. It's not a healthy mindset for them to have. I feel like it should be kind of a story of inspiration. I, it just comes down to their mindset. It's a, it's either a neg- or a negative mindset or a positive mindset. And that's all it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, you made the best of your circumstances and tried to make the most of your life and you're not telling people to necessarily follow in your footsteps. You're just kind of saying, try to make the best of your circumstances and try to be successful in life. That's kind of the message that I got from your story. Everyone's got a different story and everyone's got a different situation. Just make the best of what you got. A lot of people won't 
have the opportunity to get this $28 an hour job while they're a student. But you know, some people did. There's, there's tons of seasonals and students at Pepsi who did have the same opportunity as me. They chose not to do it. And all the power to them. Like, it was just something I wanted to do because I was, the money highly motivated me. Like I wanted to get ahead. I wanted, I was, you know, involved in personal finance and I saw the benefits of it and the personal growth that I got from it was great. Awesome. So some millennials are choosing to rent instead of buy. They're discouraged by the high home prices in big cities like Toronto and Vancouver. Why shouldn't younger folks give up on the dream of home ownership? Why is real estate still a good in a long-term investment in your opinion? I think both buying and renting can both be a great uh, solution depending on your situation. You know, some people may benefit from renting while others will benefit from home ownership. I don't think that young folks should give up entirely on the dream of home ownership because it's, it's not impossible. It's just maybe more difficult these days. With the stress test and all that. Yeah, with the stress test, with the high home prices, I mean, especially in the GTA, but other places in Canada like Vancouver, I think it is still possible. And I think real estate is a fantastic long-term investment because of the leverage it offers, also the pride of home ownership. There's tons of benefits to real estate, which I think we all know, and I don't need to go over, but. How has your life changed since the Toronto Star article? And I guess you touched on that a bit earlier. And are you still working a crazy schedule? And have you slowed down at all? You mentioned earlier that you had graduated, but I mean, do you intend to have more of a work-life balance going forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been enjoying it ever since I graduated. I've had so much more time to um, just really for myself, because any free time I had before I spent on my relationships when I wasn't, you know, in school or working, because I didn't want to just leave all my relationships by the wayside. And so I didn't really have any time for myself. So now I've been enjoying that balance, getting that balance back. Um, I realized how important having a balance is after being on the, you know, the crazy uh, workaholic side of the spectrum. I can see the benefits of, you know, having that work-life balance. So I've definitely slowed down. What has helped me a lot is seeing how much I can do in a day. I know now what I can fit in and what I'm comfortable fitting in and my stress levels and I'm, I'm much better at finding that balance. So I have slowed down. It's not as crazy, but at the same time, I've, I've kept the momentum going and I'm still working on my own things, you know, outside of work. So, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, touching on that is what's next for you now that you've graduated? What are your financial goals in the next couple of years and beyond? And do you still have your mindset on owning a condo or house in the next couple of years? Yes, I, w- I would like to own a property in the next couple of years. I'm actually getting into real estate investing and just talking to people like you who have had you know, great success stories with real estate and uh, other people that I've been connected with since my article came out who have messaged me have now kind of become my mentors. They've inspired me to get involved into real estate investing. My, my big goal right now is to buy an income property as soon as I can. I'm working towards that and that's what I'm focusing on outside of work right now. My financial goals are to become financially independent and to be able to uh, support myself through my investments to eventually be able to create my own job. You know, I was talking about all the little side hustles I did growing up. I'm definitely drawn towards entrepreneurship. And there's, you know, always these business ideas rattling around in my head that I would like to act out on one day. So I would just like the power to 
be financially independent and not have to, you know, slog out all these hours at a place like Pepsi or a job that I'm not really passionate about to instead put that passion into something that I, I really want to do, which is, you know, start my own business. So I think real estate investing is a powerful path to financial freedom and it's something that I'm going to pursue. So that are, that's my uh, financial goals in the next couple of years. Great. Maybe we'll see you on the front page of the Toronto Star when you reach that financial independence goal. Yeah, possibly. I still have the reporter's number, so <laughs> all the way. Well, look forward to reading that article. Thanks so much for a very interesting discussion, and it was great to have you on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Sean. If I could plug one thing really quickly. Sure, of course. Um, so I actually founded a real estate investing club at my university. So I brought in yourself, Sean, and I brought in another real estate investor with during my last semester at the school and I'll still be running the club next year. So I'm looking for anyone involved in the real estate industry who's interested in uh, coming and speaking to, you know, a lot of students that I've brought out who are interested in it and interested about the real estate industry. So yeah, if you want to come out and talk and last time I did an interview, so I just kind of sat there and interviewed the real estate investor and fired questions off of the audience and Sean you had a presentation for us which was great so if anyone's interested in that they could contact me at anthony francis molinero at gmail.com or my phone number 905-965-3931 if anyone's interested in that and we also do provide a speaking fee for people who are interested thanks for listening to another episode of the burn your mortgage podcast Besides being a podcast host and money coach, I'm also a licensed mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. You can reach me by email at seancooperwriter at gmail.com or you can call or text me at 647-867-3711. Also, be sure to head on over to www.seancooperwriter.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. You can also sign up for a free one-on-one 15-minute money coaching consultation with yours truly. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you burn your mortgage sooner too. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning. Happy mortgage burning.